Hello, welcome to Veterans Drink of Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to the 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimating back into civilian life. Today, we have retired Air Force Master Sergeant, gotta, gotta keep remembering the Air Force, John Paul Moser. John served for 23 years and retired from the Air Force. Served through Qatar, doing 50 combat ops through Iraq and uh, other places throughout the Middle East. Um, John is also running his own podcast called Straight Talk. If you guys get a chance, check out Straight Talk Podcast. He is on Apple Podcasts and a couple of other platforms as well as we are. Uh, John, welcome to Article 15. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. I Listen to a few of your shows over the last few weeks, man. And I'm like, man, I got to talk to this thing. Love oh, for sure, doing. dude. Love it. Well, you know, um, I, the way that I've always seen it, I'm, I'm not a heavy combat vet. Right. You know, I'm not like a grunt. I'm not even considered a fobbit. I'm, I always support. And we did some detainee ops and stuff like that. Nothing wild. We were at Camp Cupcake, Balad, Iraq. Um, I worked with army. I worked with air force. I I also deployed with the Marines out to Oman and I I've, I've worked with a lot of you guys and I have a great respect and a knowledge for working with army, which as we all know, is not always the best (laughs) things for your brain. Um, the Marine Corps, which, you know, they're, they're either going to have you dying laughing or dying hurting. Um, and the Air Force, which is always wonderful because there's either a Starbucks, a green bean, a pool, a bowling exactly. alley, a golf course. Uh, you guys know how to travel. But I, I, I feel like I can bridge the gap between right. the, the, the group of military personnel who don't make it to those combat zones and those guys who have been infantry, 11 Bravo, 300 or uh, 0300s, uh, stuff like that. I feel like we can bridge those gaps between um, the different military personnel as well as the veterans, which is very important. I, um, I agree. You know, we we had a all of us have heard of Dakota Meyer, Marcus Luttrell, Jocko Willick. I mean, we've all heard of those yep. guys, and and they're all badasses in their own rights. You know, the Reaper. Everybody, everybody knows these guys are Chris Kyle. But my my thing was what. For so long, I thought there's there's no way I can have any problems. I, I I didn't get I didn't get blown up. I didn't carry my buddy home. I didn't do any of that stuff. I don't have a purple heart. Um, you know, what about us? What about us that do the job without getting the injuries, physical injuries? What about us when we come out? You know, we've been I, I hate to say it, but we're institutionalized. We're set to such a, a framework, a clockwork of duty and get the job done, no matter what it takes, you know, 16, 18 hour days, two hours of sleep, sleeping on your feet, whatever you're doing to get the job done. Who was talking about us? Who was giving these guys an an idea of where to go? The VA definitely wasn't doing it. You know, 
So well, I, not to mention you, you did 23 years. Did. And I've, I've been talking about this for quite some time now. I have another buddy, my buddy, Justin, he's going to be retiring from the air force as well. And he did 20. He's retiring this year, I believe June or July, June, June 30th. He, I, I brought something to him that he never thought about. Who is he going to be when he takes that U S air force off of his left right. breast pocket? Who is right. he going to be? Are you, are you going to be Justin? Are, are you going to, are you going to be a fisherman? Are you, are you going to go to work? Are you, who are you? You need to make your own decisions now. And he's like, I never thought about this. 20 so years of your life. I did think about that, but I didn't think it was going to be a problem because I had a job. You know, I did 10 years active duty, nine years, six months, 15 days active duty. Got out in December of 99, June of 2000. I got married to my current wife. And within a month of being married, she's like, you are not the same dude that I knew when we, when you were on active duty. Something's not right. Maybe you need to go back in. Well, at the time, big drawdown, couldn't do the active duty thing. So I went um, to the reserves and I just happened to get in a month after 9-11. Right. So it took almost a year to get back in. 9-11 happens. 2003, we get activated. 2002, I busted on my shoulder at a training op, was down for six months, ended up deploying three times from 03 to 05. Then I got picked up as a first sergeant. Then I got picked up as a flight engineer, ended up doing a year's worth of training to be a flight engineer, and then a deployment as an engineer. Then I messed up my back, had to have surgery. It was just a long process. And the wife was there for the whole thing. But I had a job. I had a civilian job. I worked for the government. And I thought, well, you know what? As a reservist, I'm not going to have a hard time transitioning. I'm going to be just fine. Bro, let me tell you, after about a year, I huge argument with the wife. Can't tell you anything about what the argument was about. I just remember what she said, which was, you're a fucking asshole. Nobody wants to be around you. Your kids don't want to be with you. What the fuck are you going to do? And I had been sober about eight years at this time. So... I walked upstairs, got my 45, grabbed a hundred dollar bill, went down to the bar and was going to walk in, buy a bottle of Jack, chug the bottle of Jack and blow my head off. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it. And I thought, what the fuck is wrong with me? There's, I, I've never thought like this. Why now after a year of being retired, why now? What, what's my problem now? And the only thing that I could come up with in my head was the VA had given me so many meds over the last year. And they were always changing, always switching and everything. They fucked up my head. So something in me said, call your AA buddies, go to an AA meeting, go talk to them. So I did. I got up the next morning. I called the VA. I said, hey, I had a 45 in my hand last night. Got another one sitting here right beside me. Now I'm, I'm ready to kill myself. I, I, I can't. I can't do this. And I got put on hold. I kid you not. The lady Are put you me serious on hold. Right now? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Put it on hold. Put me on hold. This was before they had the veterans uh, crisis line and before they had that long message when you call your local VA now about if you're having thoughts of suicide or whatever, hang up and dial 911 or push seven to be connected. This was before all that. So I actually just got put in touch with an operator and she panicked and said, please hold. So I made a couple other phone calls. I got to um, Jason Rutledge with Save 22. He's a buddy of mine I know from riding bikes. And he said, bro, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Go down to your doctor's office, walk straight in and just say, look, I'm having a problem. Tell them what it is and they'll treat you. And if they don't, you go down to the emergency room and, and talk to them immediately. Okay, so I did. Then he calls me back the next day. He says, get on your bike, come down here, come ride with me. My other buddy said, don't move. I'm coming to 
get all your stuff. He, he drove an hour and a half to take all my guns, gave me this huge hug. We both started crying. He said, listen, bro, we'll get through it together. You know, and I try to end my shows with that. You know, we will get through it together. We're not alone. You know, just because we weren't blown up or lost a limb or have a TBI doesn't mean we don't struggle with certain things. My thing is anxiety of others. Like, yeah, I, I can't relax in a crowd. I don't like new places. I don't like driving. I fucking hate driving now because of the other people. Like, I can't. Like, you're blocking my road. Like, I have no exit. And when I'm on the bike, bro, it's 80, 90 miles an hour because I don't want to be around anybody. Get yeah. out of my fucking way. And it's it's not that I think they're going to do something. It's I don't have an escape. I don't have a safe area to travel should something happen right now. You don't have control over the situation. No. No. That's what I found. So I swear to God, if my wife heard you talking right now, she would have been like, is is this your twin brother? And I'd be like, yeah, maybe like my twin great uncle or something like that because you're so old. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, but, Junior. <laughs> but I, I, everything you're saying, I, I, I'm i right there with you. I hate Please. traffic. And I live in the Chicagoland area. So you can only imagine. So, well, we moved from actual Chicago. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I moved from Chicago to a far southwest suburb of Chicago called New Lenox. I love it here. It's slow moving, easy little town, village. It, it They get the flags out on the main strips. You know, they got the VFW is here. The American Legion is strong here. The, the veteran presence here in this town is amazing and they support. And it, it, it's, it's, you can't ask for a better life. Um, it and it does. It does. It makes it a, a, a huge difference. There's less people, less crowds, less vehicles, less traffic, less everybody, less BS. Yep. So um, when I hear, you know, exactly what you're talking about, the highway stuff, my buddies who are, you know, police officers and stuff, they laugh at me. They're like, dude, why are you driving so fast? You got to get out that kill zone, bro. You can't right. be That's the all kill zone. Every time I deployed, I, I, I counted one time, it was like 11 deployments. Now, you don't count Tatar, so it's probably more like... <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's if you're drinking your you guys... three beers a day, I, I can't, I can't consider that a deployment. Hey, we had three beers a day in Kyrgyzstan too. So, and we got an outstanding <laughs> unit with Valor for that trip. So apparently there was something to that, but, um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't that I was involved in anything. It's that every time you go, they give you this week's worth of briefings on what to look for every fucking time, whether you're going over for the first time or the 10th time. And it's the same stuff. Look for this. Look for this. Look for this. And then when you're a flyer now, you know, you you said before we started recording that the Marines are either going to make you die laughing or you're just going to die. Right. I, I never fit in with my Air Force guys. Never. I, I didn't have any good long lasting relationship. I take that back. There's probably a dozen in 23 years that are really still close to me. I, I fit in more with the Marine mentality of things like, fuck it, get the job done. I don't care what happens. Let's do this. And when you're flying, you have to have an Intel briefing. You have a, a CSAR briefing. You have a, what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, code words, all this other stuff. And I'm really paying attention to this stuff. My pilots were like, yeah, whatever. Let's go. Yeah, whatever. Well, course you are because i'm the guy that's going to be i'm the engineer i'm the one that's got to be following the emergencies taking care of everything getting you know with the navigator hey where are we going this is how much fuel all that other good stuff 
pilots just got to sit there and push the hand. And please, that, that's just a joke. If you're a pilot out there, nothing but respect for most of you. So, um, <laughs> you know, I got all that stuff on my head. And if we go down here, you know, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? If I had to run off base for something, it was, I'm always looking out for the Hodges. And, you know, it just, that's what it was. I didn't like sitting I was in Turkey once and uh, my buddy got in a fight, ended up stabbing a guy. We had to rush him out. You know, they had a, a restaurant bombing, a lot of open air bombings over there. And, you know, shit like that. You just start thinking about it. Like, do I sit in the back of the restaurant? Do I sit in the front? Do I take my stuff to go? Can I ever enjoy anything? You know, those are the kind of things that, that I think about. So now when I'm trying to be on vacation or having a good time with my wife and kids, all I'm thinking about are where are the exit? Who's going to help me? Who's the threat? Uh, what do I do if I do this? You know, it sucks, man. I, I hate that kind of feeling. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to be caught unprepared. So um, I've been uh, it, it actually it was just this last Friday. Um, my wife and I, we went out with some of our neighbors to a dinner in a, in a town not too far from us. <laughs> They all walked in first, you know, I'm, I'm doing my, my normal scanning of the room, see who's around, what's, what's what. And they sat us right by, you know, a wall area. And it, it was unbelievable because my wife wound up taking one seat and, you know, the other lady that was with us, she said she was kind of like not really aware, but the guy that I went with, he's a great guy, never served. Um, but He's an amazing dude. He's my neighbor. His name's Bob. I got to give him a shout out here. But Bob, he looked right at the seat that was right up against the wall. And he looked at me. He's like, that's your seat. I'm like, okay, yep. man. I appreciate nope. like my heart. My heart. I'm sitting there like thinking to myself like, oh, don't, right, be, weird. Relax don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> but he's like, you got it, man. Go ahead. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And Lauren looked at me. She's my, my wife, Lauren. She looked at me. She's like, he knows, like she knows exactly what what, what I'm right. doing and how much anxiety I'm going through just looking around and the just looking at the tables and where to sit and then where's the exit at and it it, it was crazy but it kind of all linked up with them. It was pretty nice. You know that's that's not normal. Do you, I mean, you that's what that, I'm told. Right? You, I know that that's right? what I'm told. we're not normal. So no my wife tells me every day. It's normal for us. It's not normal to feel that on guard 100% of the time. Yeah. And you have to find some way to release it. And unfortunately, the VA likes to just throw meds at you. Um, other people like to dive into alcohol. I haven't drank in almost 13 years. Um, it, it just it got to the point where it was a blackout almost every time I did it. And yeah. I'm glad I don't now because I, I actually do get to enjoy things a whole lot more. But, mm -hmm. you know, we have to have some sort of release. We have to have some sort of outlet for this kind of stuff. And when you go to a civilian counselor who has not served, they can read all the books in the world. They don't understand your true feelings. You know, they, they just they don't. I, I don't care what they say they can do. But you, know, you have to have somebody. Right. Whether that's they your call it a, or They call it a hypervigilance or whatever it is. Yeah. Hyper hypervigilance. I think it's actually a, um, they give you a rating for it. Like it, it, it wraps into the, to the VA anxiety and PTS stuff. See, I called it ADD. That, that was what I called it, but they called it hypervigilance. <laughs> but, um, it, it, 
the so I've been seeing a uh, mental health professional for the last three, almost three years, about two and a half to three years. I was uh, in a police involved incident. Uh, I'm a cop outside of the reserves. Uh, I was in a police involved incident. And to be able to go back to uh, right. full duty, I had to go and see a mental health professional. She she uh, advised me of an organization called the Headstrong Project. And they're, they're a non-for-profit that gets veterans mental health for at no cost to the veteran. They also do counseling for the veteran's family to help them understand better um, PTSD and everything else that we possibly could be going through. So I was like, yeah, let me check this out. Gave them a call. They set me up. Within a week, I was still seeing her without like skipping a beat. This is one week as opposed to going to the VA. I don't know. Every VA is different from what I understand. I have guys telling like this VA is amazing. This VA is trash. This VA is amazing. This VA is trash. And what's so great about the Headstrong Project is it's recognized by the VA. So the notes that my mental health professional is taking down on me now transfers over to the VA. I can continue to see her. So when I actually submit my claim, she can transfer the the notes over there and that'll go towards my disability percentage, but I can continue to see her since there's a relationship already built. I can continue to see her and talk with her about everything, which is really nice. That is really nice. Yeah. And it helps a great deal. Now the Headstrong Project, they're not nationwide. They're in a good group of states, I think like 20 to 25 states, um, but they're working more and more towards going, um, nationwide the issue is it's a non-for-profit so they have to build and grow uh so <clears throat> what what would you say would be you know the the best accomplishment i would say from your military career then my military accomplishments wow um <laughs> being raised catholic you know prides us in so um <laughs> but i i do have to say that that uh, being the oldest guy at flight engineer school and then being the oldest guy in both water survival and SEER training and making it through without incident. I think that was, that you was had to go business. through the SEER training. I did. I did it. And wow. I think I was 38 years old, 39 years old when I went through, you know, and I got all these kids saying, Hey grandpa, you know, let me carry that ruck for you. And I got all these other guys. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it happened, bro. It happened. Yeah. Sucking the eyeball back in the eighties, right? Eighties, oh my god! Just <laughs> before you I'm were just a daddy sack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I did everything that they asked us to do: eat this, eat that, try this, try that. You know, wring the rabbit's neck, suck the eyeball out of its head. I did all that stuff just because I'm going to show them. Look, man, I might be old, but I'm a, I'm going to outdo every single one of you kids here. I, I just That's am. Tough. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fail. I'm not. I, I when I was 16, I, I went to the Air Force recruiter and said I want to be a pilot. So they did um they did an eye check at that time, and I was already at the limit for pilot. So they said, look, you, it's not going to work. By the time you're 22 and out of school, your your eyes are going to be worse anyway, and we're not going to waste that time on you. I'm like, all right, well, fine. So I walked down to the Marine Corps recruiter, and I was about five foot nothing, hundred and nothing, and he laughed me out the door and said, "Go see the Air Force." You were Rudy. I was, I was Rudy, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So I joined the Air Force and I ended up growing to 5'10", 120 uh, from graduation to, to departure with the Air Force in 89 and 90. And 
I wanted to fly my whole time. So I worked on airplanes for my entire career. And I finally got a, a chance to be a flight engineer uh, at age like 37. And a chief, Chief Palma, who will probably listen to this, gave me a shot. And I thank him every day. You know, it was uh, one week after I quit drinking that I got the okay to be a flight engineer. My flight physical passed and I was approved for school. So I, I'd have to say that being a flight engineer and, and flying and living my dream after, you know, so long in the Air Force was, that's probably my greatest accomplishment military-wise. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I, I know as you as you get older, you know, these these other accomplishments that normally would come at such a much younger age. It, it, as I get older in my age, I'm about to be, what, 30? 38. 38 i think this year no I, yeah people are like jesus christ you look old i'm like yeah i know i'm 38 they're like no you look like older than that right. i'm like yeah well that's called military and children <laughs> they right. do that exactly. you, they exactly. suck the life force from you but as as they like to put it in the politics we're going to circle back to your the seer training so now those who don't know what seer training is if you want to elaborate a little bit, you went through it. I know of it. Okay. SEER training stands for survival, evasion, risk, and escape. And I think it's three weeks long in the Air Force. And you go out to, um, oh, Jesus, now I can't remember where I went. Someplace in uh, Fairchild, Washington State. And they give you a lot of book learning in the beginning, you know, how to sharpen your knife, how to tie some knots, how to do some other evasive stuff. And then they throw you in the woods for six days. Uh, you carry your ruck, ruck's about 60 to 70 pounds. Depending on the temperature, you're allowed to have a sleeping bag or not. Um, they teach navigation, uh, indigenous plants of the area that you can eat or not eat, what, how to build a shelter, how to hide, how to evade, things like that. Uh, and it was an incredible experience. Um, there's some stuff we're not allowed to disclose that, that, that they taught us, which I'm sure you're aware of, but so this would be the capture part. Yeah, then you end up. You and know, that's fine. Captured. So that's that's what I really want to strike on here is the capture part. So right. we've we've seen the movies. We see what happens, the torture and stuff like that. Now, I'm not talking about what happened with you guys in particular, but we've seen these through TV series and movies and stuff like that. So we have somewhat of an imagination. The big part I want to pull from this is that stuff will sit in your head. Now, you, you obviously you volunteer for SEER school and to train because you never know. We, we train for anything that can go wrong because Mr. Murphy is out there on a regular. That. And this is something, obviously, that it goes into your record, which is good because when you go for your, your disability, your claim and everything, that is going to be one of those things that stand out. That's a red flag, obviously, through the VA and mental health. Uh, for uh, <clears throat> for us getting our mental health. I never went through SEER school. I don't, I, I've, I've known, um, I think I, I served with one guy who wound up going and training, uh, uh, being an instructor at SEER school. He was a little demented of a person, very nice guy, but I knew there was another side to him. Always knew there was another side. I'm pretty positive he wears people's heads as hats from time to time. But that this this all plays into it. So you went through a specific training that is going to torture you and make you understand what you're going to possibly go through. We we go through these these trainings 
that are going to be played over and over and over and over again that until your body is just when your mind breaks, your body knows exactly what to do. Right. And that that plays into the PTSD rule. It, it just when when you said that and the, the sear part of it, it, it just kind of clicked like, yeah, that normal people aren't supposed to deal with torture that puts you into a range of rape victims and tortured victims that like we see immersing from people's basements from, you know, right. from some time. So yeah, that, that uh, when you, when you said that, I was like, man, that, that's, that's a rough gig, but it was, um, it was intense. We, we had a couple guys break, you know, um, we had to pull them back in and, you know, keep them, keep their head straight and keep an eye on them afterwards. I think it was, I think it was six days in the field, come back for two days and then go back out for three and capture. I think, I don't, I don't remember, but it was intense, you know, yeah. you know, pissing and shitting in a coffee can and, you know, I don't, I don't even know how often we ate darkness, uh, isolation, solitary. It, it, it really interrogations, you know, it, um, it plays on you a little bit, but you, it, I, I think I, I had a better, What's the word I want to use? Un- understanding that it was in an educational environment where they're trying to teach you something. So as long as I kept my head in the, they're trying to teach me something, so it's okay if I fuck up. It was okay. Now don't get the me wrong. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I can't. I can't remember the, my brother's keeper. I think it was movie on uh, Amazon or Netflix or something where he, um, the guy ends up getting captured and. I was right back there. I was right back yeah. in school, school and the interrogations that they were doing, the things that they were doing uh, in the movie really resonated. Um, I have to laugh a little bit because you see these guys in, in movies that, that get a gun pointed at them and they, and they fucking panic. Right. I just, I just kind of giggle. Like really, that's all you're going to bring just that, you know, I mean, now, don't get me wrong. The skills that I learned there are nowhere near what they were 10 years ago for me. Nowhere near it. But you have this in the back of your head that I know what I have to do should that happen. If he's behind me, if he's in front of me, I have an idea. And the odds are that guy's not going to have any of that training. So you're going to get through that situation. I got you. So what have you found to be your your greatest challenge getting out of the military so far? And I, when did when did I'm sorry, when did you get out? September 11, 2015. September 11, 2015. So we, we're, we're coming up almost to a six-year mark. So you're about five and a half go, working towards your six-year mark. What have, what have you found to be your greatest challenge so far? Keeping my head, you know. Um, I have a, a, a wife and three kids. My, my wife's been with me now for it'll be 21 years, married this June, and she's an absolute saint. Um, Congratulations, man. She's been through all of it with me, you know, the deployments, the alcoholism, the getting sober, the suicide attempt. She's been through all that stuff. And my oldest daughter, who um, I met her when she was two years old and been with her ever since. She's now in the Air Force. So shout out to my daughter, Tiffany, uh, down there at Shaw. She's kicking some serious ass as a crew chief. An idle mind for me, an idle time is horrible. Idle time is just horrible for me. When I wake up in the morning, my brain's automatically going 100 miles an hour. I just had, in the last three and a half months, I've had two buddies kill themselves. 
uh, both veterans. Uh, my mom fell, fractured her wrist, needed surgery. My dad needs constant supervision. Everything kind of hit me at, at once. And I wouldn't get out of bed till nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm supposed to be to work at six. So I found myself taking four hours of leave or working later in the day, you know, two or three times a week on a four day work week, letting myself get into that mode myself and not listening to my own damn advice. That's, that's my biggest challenge. Not, not taking my own advice. You know, I, I can sit here and I can talk to everybody. Like just, just yesterday, I met a guy down at my local market who is uh, a methadone addict, army vet, two-time purple heart, TBI, but the VA gave him pain pills and then transferred over to methadone. And now they won't get him off of methadone because they don't prescribe it anymore. So he's got to go out and do this. So my focus from yesterday went immediately to getting him help. And today I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that we have him a slot in rehab starting tomorrow morning. That's awesome, uh, man. That's so yeah, great. I mean, just, you know, you, you can sit around, I can sit around and I have a hard time relaxing and not thinking about something. So when I get something, I go hundred percent on it. It doesn't matter what it is. And that, that's my biggest challenge, trying to prioritize what really needs to be prioritized. One of the things, and, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you came out uh, master sergeant and everything like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a first class petty officer at the moment. And uh, hopefully I'll be I'll be in your shoes uh, at some point in my life. Uh, I'll make E7. We'll see how it goes with the exams. I'm not a good test taker, but uh, <laughs> but we take on these leadership roles and we we make sure that our guys are taken first. Good leadership. Anyways, they make sure that their guys are taken care of first. There was a uh, there's a movie that's out. Man, did it. It. It, it sent chills down my spine. It was um, oh shit. Now what the hell's the damn name of the movie? It's on Amazon, and I wound up watching it. Uh, but the guy was an E six. There were there was three of them. They got out at the same time. Um, give me a second. I gotta pull this damn thing up. It was so yeah. Good. Pull it up. I'm sorry. My TikTok was wide open. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I right. Get that TikTok TikTok stuff, man. I see so many guys on there doing great. And I'll message them and, and, and we'll talk back and forth and try to get them on the show and stuff. But I, I just, I'm not that kind of creative dude. I just, I'm just not. I'm not creative either, but I, I thank you for your service. That's what it's yes. called. Yeah. So he, there, there was a guy, he was set up, you know, an E6 set up, staff sergeant set up, ready to go to this wonderful, res, not a resort place, but like a retreat place in California. They're like, we're going to get you in. This is going to be great here this is how we're going to do it and he found out one of his juniors was in need and he needed the help and he prioritized the kid before him he still went and got his help but he prioritized and he he it it's trying to help others it's that self that you know that that sense of service to help another person to help especially another veteran i i i swear to god we're like kindred spirits because my wife is has just hit me up so many times. Like you need to go and get help with this. You need to go and start doing this. You need to go. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. She's like, no, you don't know because you've gone and talked to every other person. Tell them to go get their VA claim. Tell them to go find, you know, this mental health provider. Tell them about this non-for-profit. Tell them about that non-for-profit. And yet here you are 
still not going and getting yourself help. I'm like, right. God, there's so many other, and it's the same thing when you come home from a deployment. The first thing that your mind is thinking, what's going on over there? Is everybody okay? I should be over there. I should be helping out. I should be doing something. And that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand is that we're not thinking about self. We're thinking about the big picture. We're thinking about others and we're trying to get them the help that they need so they could be a hundred so we can get the mission done. Whether it be mission 22, save 22, tackle 22, fishing, recall roster, um, the battle buddy response team, all these different crews that are out there trying to help other people when in fact it's it's us helping ourselves. This is this is uh, for me. This is my therapy. Helping exactly. people. Out. Exactly. The, the title of Broken Arrow on TikTok. That's my my name on mm-hmm. on TikTok. Is when when you are down, you're pinned down, and the enemy is surrounding you, and you need support. You call Broken Arrow. That's where I'm at. I, I um, love it. I love it. It 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 is our therapy, and and when we realize that that this is our therapy, and we need to keep doing it. We'll be fine. It's help. Yeah. But there's a there's a point where, and I, I say it quite a bit. I'm not perfect, bro. I'm I'm not by any. I don't have this thing licked by any means. If I let myself, like I just did with my buddies and my mom and their house, and try to get them into assisted living, and then that doesn't work because they don't have money, they don't have savings, their insurance sucks. I take it upon myself. Well, look, I'm I'm the oldest. I'm the one that's supposed to be handling all this. Let me take all this on myself. And I'm the one that struggles and yeah. then, because I got nobody to talk to this to. Cause you can't yell at your mom and dad about being stupid when they were 30 years old and screwing shit up. You know, you can't do it. They didn't have it back then. They don't have it like we have it now. And you can't get no, mad at right. that. You know, you can't get mad at them for not knowing how to use the damn remote control or knowing what Wi-Fi is. You know, they just, you try to fix everything and you forget about yourself. And my wife did two things for me over the past few years. When I got back from my last deployment, the very first thing that she said to me was, I don't want you to do anything for two weeks when you when we get to the house. I have everything covered. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, laundry, kids, sports. It's all covered. Don't do anything. And that took a huge weight off my shoulders because I thought coming back that, okay, she's been doing it for four months now. I need to go ahead and take care of that. No, no, you don't. She has a plan. She has her schedule, her, her rituals, her routines. Let her continue that and she'll bring you in when she wants you to. So that's a, that's a huge step. So if you're a spouse out there, if you're a, a military member out there and you're, you're going to come back from a deployment, have that conversation. Be vocal about it. Like understand that your type A veteran wants to fix everything wants to help with everything. Tell them they don't have to. And when you put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hand and say, honey, don't do nothing. I, I don't need you to do anything. Trust me on this one. We'll get you back into this slowly. It's fantastic. I didn't sleep for like three weeks, you know, two hours here, an hour there, whatever, trying to readjust. I'd have nightmares all the damn time. But the second thing that my wife did was when this stuff happened with my mother and my father, she, she gave me the, the goal. She said, here's where you start. Get a dumpster, pick a room, and go to town. That's all you need to do. Don't ask them. Don't tell them to pick. You go get it. You start it. 
and you do it. And in a week and a half, I had 35 yards of trash out of that house. Jesus. Yeah. And I felt good about it because I, I, I set a goal, like she said, and I did it. And I kept going until I was burned out. And I said, you know what? All right, I'm done. I'm burned out. I'm done. It made a huge dent. It's not perfect. It's not done, but it made a huge dent. You know, and then my sister stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to move in with mom and dad next month. That'll take some relief off of you. That'll give you some relief. You know, it it happens. I had buddies call me up and say, hey, let me come over and be with you today. All right. All I'm doing is cleaning up junk. That's okay. I don't care. Let me come over. All right. Come on. You know, and we ended up reminiscing, having a good time, going through some stuff, you know, telling jokes. Why my old man had, you know, 104 rolls of shop rags jammed in the rafters of the, the shop, you know, whatever. So he was a bit of a hoarder. Let's put it that way. But, you know, it's, you got to go step by step, day by day. You, you, you just have to. I know some guys like routine and regiment, like, like Gunning was talking about, you know, he gets up yeah. and he does his stuff and that man's incredible. And if he's listening to this, bro, I need, I need to talk to you. We, we have a lot in common and I'd love to have him on my show, not to hijack yours, but it's okay. It's okay. Amber and Amanda here. We want to tell you about our good friends over at Scale Executive Search. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated executive search firm serving aerospace, tech, and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. Is right. I um, I'm not a routine guy. I mean, I like a routine, but I don't because I get, I get stagnant. I, I mean, here I am. I'm almost 50 years old, and I'm thinking about retiring 100% from my job, and you know, then I would be 100% from the military, 100% from my job, and I want to go back to school. I mean, who the fuck wants to go back to school at 50 years old? Well, I do. You know, sure, I'll go back. Why not? What do you want to learn? I don't know. Let me go take underwater welding. I, you know, I don't care. I want to go learn something. Let me go learn more. You know, it's, I'm just never satisfied. And that's, that's really hard for, for some people, especially my wife, because she's very content with what we have. And I'm not, I want more. I want better. I want to better myself. Not that there's anything wrong with where I'm at by any means. I just want better. And that's, that's kind of crazy. But I think you get it. Well, I, I'm I'm the one. I want less. <laughs> I, I, I want so much less. I just want a, a house in the middle of ten acres where nobody could find me and just leave me alone. Yeah. I will sit yeah. in there. I will, you know, if a deer winds up on my property, I'll go ahead and grab out the Remington and take right. care of business. You know, um, that's that's where I'm at. So um, it's funny you brought that up. You know being with buddies when you guys were cleaning out your parents' house um, and how I'm telling you, I, I want, I want less. Not too long ago, uh, me and a couple of buddies of mine, we got out of town, uh, Chicagoland, a friend of mine, he flew in from LA. Uh, we got out of the Chicagoland area. We wound up going to um, the Michigan, uh, the Michigan area. And uh, my, my folks have a, have a lake house up there. And all it was, was me, 
three other guys. We're all married, all have kids, you know, full-time jobs, military and all that stuff. We just got out of town, man. We, yep. we, we got a, a change of environment. Like I said, one of them is LA. We're the Chicago land area. We're on a quiet lake in April. No families are up there. Nobody's up there, you know, jet skiing and all over the place. We couple, we dropped a couple of lines in the water. It was daytime. We still had a little bonfire just, just to be outside, right. uh, hiking, fishing. Uh, we went to a gun range, an outdoor gun range that I'm a, I'm a member at a club over there. Um, we hit up the local, the local VFW, man, it smelled like, like the old basement smell and they yep, had, yep. you know, the old tile in there and the wood paneling walls. And it just, it was genuine people that were in there, you know, all little townsy kind of people. It was wonderful. And shout out to the Dwajek VFW 18 post 1855. Uh, I loved it. You know, they had beer uh, can, uh, what is it? Beer cans on, on all over the place. They pool table, shuffleboard, uh, it was fantastic. It was just what we needed. We went to a lo- little local bars to grab, you know, some beers and some burgers just to, all we did was just shoot the breeze and we sat, we talked about our marital lives. We just, we were gone. We were gone. We were unplugged. We weren't on TikTok. We weren't on uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or any of that stuff. We were just completely unplugged and we were just there having the best time. Right. And you need that every once in a while it, it's nice to completely unplug from especially from work from from whatever else is out there um and just just sit uh, you know it's, i know as soon as i sit down i feel like there's a button somewhere on me that as soon as i sit down there's an alert that goes off in my wife's head like he's getting comfortable hey honey can you do i knew it uh as so, soon as I sit down, my, my switch goes to my brain and my brain goes hundred miles an hour again. That's, that, yeah. that's hard for me. It doesn't, so it doesn't matter wearing, where it can be. You're wearing a save 22 hat, man. You want to talk yeah. about it? Please. Save 20, yeah. Save 22 is a grassroots local organization out of Carrollton, Ohio, founded by a few guys who just wanted to raise some awareness. Tom Endorf called up Jason Rutledge one night and said, listen, I'm thinking about doing a hike just to raise awareness. And six years ago, Save 22 was founded, and they call it an accidental nonprofit. That's this fantastic. year, we're going to have taken. That's fantastic. Yeah, we um, we're not big like into videos and how awesome we are and stuff. We're more of a we have a network of individuals who have a network of individuals who have a network of individuals, <laughs> and and we can. I mean, look, like that story I said about the market guy at the market yesterday, I literally picked up the phone after I met the dude, talked to him for a little bit, um, found out if he was genuine and and real about it. And he is. So I called a friend. He said, call this guy. So I called that guy, well, lady, Elizabeth over at Cali Park. Shout out to her. She's amazing. And she said, get me this, this, and this. Okay. So I got her this, this, and this. She called me last night and said, I'll have more info for you tomorrow. She calls me this morning, says, we got him in. He can go at seven o'clock tomorrow morning if he can get up here. So I called him up and I said, listen, I'll take you up there. If you need to get up there, I'll sit with you through the interview because um, I know that they can be rough when you're talking about PTSD and traumatic events. It's nice to have somebody there that understands. So I told him I would do it. I'll get you up there at seven o'clock tomorrow morning, you know, an hour and a half away. I'm okay with that. I'll do it. Save 22 saved my life, man. They gave me another purpose or they gave me a 
a purpose, a passion, which is, look, man, I've been through this. I can get you through this too. You got to do the work, but I can teach you some tools. I can give you these tools for your toolbox. You just got to use them. I can teach you how to use them. I can dial the phone. I can take you to the appointment, but you got to do the work. And that's what this Save 22 is all about, man. You know, we have we have affiliations, affiliations, partnerships, whatever you want to call it, with NASCAR teams, uh, Kyle Weatherman, Bailey Curry, Mike Harmon Racing in the Xfinity Series, Lex June in the NHRA, who Lex June is the first Dutchman to ever race professionally in the NHRA here in America. He's the first Dutchman over 300 miles an hour. Um, just an incredible dude. And I interviewed him and to just hear him talk about how grateful he is for our military and our first responders is amazing. He's, he's, he's from Denmark, man. I mean, or the Netherlands, I think. And he appreciates it. He wants to share that with people. And then Alliance Racing with Brandon Graham and um, the F4 series, you know, those guys got me in last year at an event just as a motorsports outreach guy, I was just going over. I'm kind of a gearhead. I like to work on cars. I raced a little bit out West with uh, Winston West and Southwest tour out there when I was stationed in Vegas. And they said, why don't you go try this out? So I did. Well, yes, I made an impression because they hired me. They want me to be a mechanic for them. So I went to another race down in Virginia and one of the driver's moms, it's a developmental series. So these kids are anywhere from 15 to 19 years old. And the mom is this little tiny five foot one, Sonia, from Louisiana, black woman who grew up very, very hard. And then me and I'm, you know, middle class, white boy, Catholic, went to Catholic school. What the hell do I have in common with her? Right. Well, as soon as we start talking, we have more in common than, than you could ever imagine. We could be brother and sister. I mean, literally, there's so much in common with her and I that she convinced me to start the podcast. She said, I'm going to do a pro bono. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to help you get started. I'm gonna, my husband is an award-winning editor uh, from NPR and BET and CNN. He's going to edit your podcast for you. He'll show you how to do it. He'll put it out there with you. Um, and that just led to more and more people calling in saying, hey, can I help you with this? Hey, can I make this? Look, man, I made you this water bottle. Check it out. I can, I can get them to you, but they're going to be kind of expensive. So uh, shout out to a bushel and a peck of love on Facebook. Um, Tiffany and James Hogue, they, they, they just know a buddy of mine and said, hey, let me, what can I do to help you? Um, another dude chimed in and said, hey, I can do that editing for you. I'm right down the road. Another guy chimed in and said, try this program. You know, the Save 22 has become a family for me. I, I can reach out to any one of them guys and say, hey, have you ever heard of this? Or do you know how to get through this situation? Or who do you talk to about this? Or what did you do when this happened to you? And we can get it figured out probably in 24 hours. And that's what makes Save 22 just absolutely amazing. So check out save22.vet. Our hike is on May 1st this year uh, down at Carroll County Fairgrounds. I'm sorry, Carroll County Vets Club. Uh, It's going to be an all-day event. Food vendors, um, military vendors. I think we're having a special guest going to do two different hikes, same course, but one's twice as long as you. I think it's 7.2 and 3.6. You can donate on safe22.vet. We're also having a, our first annual Flag Day golf outing in June. Uh, you can sponsor a hole. You can sponsor half a hole. You can contribute. Again, safe22.vet will get you to there. Uh, my website, johnnymomedia.com, will link you to Safe22 if you forget about that one. Um, yeah, man, I'm 
I, I mean, you can hear it. I'm kind of intense when I get to save 22, man. I mean, they, they saved my life. They gave me a passion and I'm, I'm all about it, brother. I, I, I yeah, I'm the same way with the uh, the um, Headstrong project. You know, uh, like I said, I'm a recipient of that, proud of it. Um, and we wind up doing our own ruck march out here. Uh, ours is September 11th. It'll be the nice. 20th anniversary. So we well we did. So when I first started mine, um, I always did the Chicago the the Windy City Veterans one. They did it uh, the Friday of Memorial Day every year. And I used to go to it. I, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. You do the 22, you start in Glencoe, Illinois, you end up at Navy Pier. Uh, I would, But my issue was that weekend was always the weekend my family would always get together and get out of town and go up to the lake house. So I would be up there and be like, all right, well, we got to hurry up through this hike. And I'd be like one of the first 30 the first year I was like one of the first 30 done. And then the, the following year, it's like I, I had to get quicker and quicker and get onto a taxi cab, hop a train out to my house in, in the <laughs> south side of Chicago and then get going onto the highway before the, the traffic started in Chicago. Um, See, so let me stop but, you right there, because that is a perfect example of a veteran A type personality. You're going to this hike and you're planning a taxi ride train ride and all this other, you, I got to finish up in the top 30 because I need to go get over here. So you're cramming something in just because it's important to you yeah. and, and you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And, and we did, but the, uh, I wound up, uh, making the police Academy. So that was the year that I stopped. Um, I stopped, uh, doing the March and then about 2019, I was like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm missing something. I'm, I'm missing this. I, I miss right. doing the march and I haven't heard much about it lately. So I'm, I'm going to go do one my, my own. I'm going to, I'm going to do my own march. Uh, November 2nd of 2019, I started my own ruck march. I asked anybody else, like, does anybody want to march with me? Anybody want to ruck with me? I didn't, I got, you know, the same thing. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll march with you, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll ruck it up. Yeah. Let me get some training in. I'll, I'll rock with you. I was like, get training in. What are you, what are you talking about training? You just, you just put on the backpack. Let's go. Right. Um, at 0900 on November 2nd, I stepped off from my house by myself and I did 20 miles. And I do not recommend that to anybody. You no. will be all up inside your head. And it was one of the hardest ruck marches I had ever done. Um, there was not many people along the path here in the Chicago land area around November 2nd it is not the warmest of days. So, you know, I had on, Oh man, I looked so crazy. I had my rucksack. I had on my old desert, um, the old desert camouflage. You remember from the nineties, um, I, I had on my, uh, no, I, there was no chocolate chip on it. It was just the, the regular flash. Um, oh, okay. but I had my, my Gore-Tex, which is from my new, the new Navy Digi Woodlands, um, I, you know, my, my smock was on there and everything like that. Um, but, and I had my, my boonie, but I had my, my ruck, I had my, my, my flag hanging from the ruck and everything like that. I'm just marching, doing my thing. All of a sudden I see one of the local, my local county's police department kind of pull up and park on a street that there's no parking. I was like, huh? That's cool. I bet they're here for me. <laughs> I look nuts. And so they're like, hey, what's going on? So I go automatically go to reach for my wallet. And they're like, get your hands out of your pocket. I'm like, oh, ooh, you're right. You're right. I messed up. My apologies, officer. 
uh, I'm an off duty, just so you know. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm just doing a ruck march. And they're like, uh, we get told that you have a gun with you. I was like, I'm not carrying today. No, I don't have my secondary. It's not. I don't have my off duty. I'm not carrying anything. Um, they're like, yeah, we normally get a call about a guy who dresses like you. I was like, really, really? You're telling me I fit the description? Really? And uh, apparently, there's a local. And this is a very quote unquote patriotic area. But there's a local guy that is normally in like a camouflage botched set of camouflage that he probably picked up from a surplus and is a little, little intense. So like, we thought you were Kevin. I was like, no, no, I'm Ryan. Ryan. And, uh, uh, as, as soon as they were like kind of talking to me, the local municipality pulled up and then the, uh, the forest preserve pulled up on me too. And I was like, good Lord. <laughs> I did not realize it was that kind of issue. And, uh, as soon as they found out that I wasn't whoever the guy was, the local municipality just took off and I let the local, cause where I was going to be marching at, it's a uh, public walkway, but it's owned by the forest preserve because it's off whatever forest off and everything like that. It's like a bike trail. So I gave him a heads up. I was like, if anybody else calls in, calling in about a Kevin or a crazy dude walking around with a big backpack, that's me. Just so you know, I wound up ending the March at the local VFW post 9545 um, with some of the, my guys that I grew up with in my old neighborhood in the South side of Chicago, the, the Canerville veterans, uh, what is it? The Canerville rider veteran riders association. I don't, I, I can never say it right, but they're, they're an MC out of my old uh, neighborhood. They met me there and a guy that I grew up with his daughter, we were like, grew up right next door to each other. He's the the lead of the MC. He was there. He was like, he is this alpha, alpha male of the fucking Marine Corps. Tommy Russell, one of the most loyal people. That Genuine individual, right? Oh God. He's got the, the heart of gold, uh, does anything for anybody whenever they need it. Just great dude. Um, he, he had the MC up there and we, we rocked that place. Like it was a Saturday night. Um, they dropped me off because my legs were completely dead. Um, and then the lo- I went to the, the meeting that month and I was in the local newspaper about it. And they, uh, one of the guys that I actually, I hosted him on this, uh, the, um, the podcast, John Forsyth, he was like, tell me about this ruck march. I, I don't understand it. What, what is it and how do we make it bigger? So now fast forward to 2020, September of last year, we wound up uh, that uh, 2019, I wound up raising about $1,900 on my own through Facebook. Fast forward to 2020, we raised $15,000 um, with tons of people marching um, and they want to go even bigger this year. So yeah. our new goal is, you know, $20,000 and we're hoping to do even bigger. Our, our goal for 2020 was just $2,000 because of coronavirus and everything like that. So we'll see how it goes uh, this year. We're out. We're already advertising for it. So um, if you're if you're around, man, you're you're very, very welcome to come on up and do that's the amazing. march with us. You gave me chills, bro. That was a fantastic story, dude. That's that's got to make you feel good. And I know you don't do it for your own feel good stories, you know, but you have to feel good that it worked. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. They say when you're trying to start something, you have to give it your, your best effort for five years. And if it doesn't work after five years, okay, let, then let's go. To go from $1,900 in one year 
to $15,000 the next year is an incredible accomplishment, whether it works for the next 20 years or not. That's amazing. And kudos to you, man. That's, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. That's, that's great. And all of it's being donated to the Headstrong Project, that same organization. So we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to see how it goes. Uh, so the veteran drinking vodka is my, my producers, Amanda and Amber, uh, yep. are already sponsoring to go there. Um, their whole little click that they have on Sunday nights, they have their little, uh, little meetings of groups of people, you know, veterans get together the, the after hours of veterans drinking vodka. Um, they're all planning on coming up and camping out and then going to that thing in the morning and then God only knows what they're going to be doing. Right. Exactly. Who knows what's going to happen? <sighs> I sat in on that. I sat in on that two weeks ago. It was not what I expected. So I just kind of hung out for a little bit. And then yeah. I, there was this big quiet pause and I just go, Hey, uh, any of you guys want to come on my show and tell your story? And Amber was like, Hey, what are you hijacking my shit for? Yeah, she uh, she's good time. Andrew's got to do something. Yeah, you know, uh, and it's 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 funny. You know, you talk to all these guys, and it's still you're always in search for the next veteran to talk to, to get their story out, to hear what they have to say, so that you know they can get it off their chest, or that one individual veteran that doesn't feel comfortable or valid being able to talk to it. Like you were saying, the veterans who didn't suffer, you know being shot at or dragon bodies or any of that stuff. They don't feel, some of them don't feel valid to be able to come forward and say, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm, I'm having some bad days. It's some bad dreams, whatever you go down underneath the water for that long with a bunch of dudes and, 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 uh, and, and a big metal shaft. It's not fun. <laughs> so, you know, uh, um, I'll give you a kudos story from that kid yesterday. Um, he started asking who I was and why I wanted this stuff and why did I want to help? And I told him and I told him I have a podcast and I think you should listen to this episode. And that episode is Sean Laurie, who is um, now a published author. He wrote his own book. He's the veteran guy on uh, Facebook. That's I think it's Vets Helping Vets. It's his uh, organization now. He owns, owns his own 501c3. And Sean had an addiction to opiates as well. And this kid yesterday messaged me back after about an hour and said, bro, the song, the, the podcast that I was listening to is my story. That guy is me. And that it's emotional. It's gratifying. It's scary as hell. But to know that at least this week, I touched at least one veteran. And not touched in a fucking sexual perverted kind of way. Touched in a in a way that he knows that there's other people out there that feel the way he does, who are willing to help him make it through what he hasn't been able to accomplish on his own. And yeah, and that's that's huge. That that's all we can ask for. That I mean, yeah. that really, really is. I don't care if I have a million downloads, and only one person gets help. That one person got help, and that's what matters. Yeah, it, it's it's chipping away at that 22, man. So you were saying tools that you've used, you know, trying to put tools in people's belts or tools in their box or whatever like that. What tools have helped you with your with your um, your issues that you've uh, obtained? Uh, one, uh, staying grounded. And but when I say staying grounded, I mean. 
identifying when I know that I'm going to get anxious or I know I'm feeling anxious or depressed or down or angry, upset, whatever the words are, the feelings, the emotions, to be able to take a step back for a second and actually prioritize those feelings. Why am I feeling like this? Okay, it's because A, B, and C is going on. Well, is A really that important? No, not really. Is B that important? Yeah, that, that should probably go to number one and C can just get thrown away. You know, I, I don't need to worry about shit like this. Um, being able to communicate with my wife and my kids. When I get into a mood or a mode or I snap at my son, who's you know going to be 17 in a month or whatever, and I snap at him or I snap at my wife, <laughs> my wife's very, you'll have to listen to the coffee pot episode. Um, <laughs> One morning, I just woke up pissed off. I don't know if I had a dream. I don't, I don't know. But I woke up and I come downstairs to get coffee. And my coffee pot was always underneath the cupboard with the coffee and everything in it. I just straight down, boom, got my coffee, right? Well, she moved it over to this corner. That's all she did. I mean, it literally went about 12 inches. And I flipped the fuck out. I'm like, why did you move it? Well, it looks better over there. But it doesn't work for me over there. I like it right here. Why did you have to move it? And she flat out slammed her coffee cup down, turned around to me and said, if you're going to be a fucking asshole today, go ahead and leave. All right. All right. So she goes into the living room. I, I, I make her a cup of coffee. I bring it in and she just goes, no, I'm not fucking talking to you right now. I'm going to be pissed off. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be back later. So I left and I came back. Um, I went down to a bar um, I don't drink, obviously, but I ran into a guy who saw our vests and the leathernecks. And he said, my son's a, a Marine. He just got back. He did some crazy shit in Syria. And I think he I think he needs your help. And all right. Boom. All of a sudden, my attitude changed. What do you need? What's he need? Give me your name. Give me your number. Better yet, give me his name, his number. Let me call him up. Let me text him. So every once in a while, he's not ready to he's not ready to let loose. He's not ready to talk to anybody. He doesn't know anything about us yet. But, you know, I keep feeding him little pieces every here and again, you know, and just check in on him and let him know somebody cares. And his dad follows me on Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, we're good there. And, you know, just the moral of that story was for my wife to be able to say, fuck you, you're not going to be an asshole to me today. For me to leave and run into somebody else that needed help changed my attitude right then and there. And then I came home, I hugged and kissed my wife. And I said, you're right. That was fucked up with me this morning. And I apologize. And she took it, right? A lot of, a lot of people think that saying I'm sorry is enough. It's not. You, you have to show them with your actions. You know, I, I was a drunk for so many years that the story was told to me one time when a kid was messing up at school, his dad would have him come home and drive a nail into the fence. And every time he screwed up at school, he drove this nail into the fence. Pretty soon the whole fence is pulled up, right? He's like, Dad, I filled the fence. He's like, All right, now every day you don't screw up, take a take a nail out of that fence. So this goes on for a while. And finally the kid comes, gets his dad. He says, Dad, I'm gonna take that last nail out of the fence. Great, let's go. So he goes and takes that last nail out of the fence and says, Look, I did it, I'm fixed. He goes, Really? Look at all the holes you left. How are you gonna fix those holes? So just because you fuck up and say, I'm sorry, and you remove that nail, you still got the hole. It's still there. You got to fix that with your actions. You know, you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. And that's, that's Sean's, that's Sean Laurie's message right there. You can't talk about it. You can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. 
you know, a lot of us got these Iggy Six tattoos, you know. Well, mine's on my right hand, so when I extend my right hand to shake, if somebody sees it, they know that I mean it. I'm going to be there for you. You just got to call me. You got to reach out. I'll help you. Um, that's that's what keeps me going on my, on my on my bad days. I mean, I, I get there. You know, I told you I had that week and a half, two weeks of not getting up till 10 o'clock. Bro, I can't do it. I just had to force myself the next morning to get up at 530, make coffee, take a shower. Come down here, start some work, do this, do that, do the laundry, you know, get a pattern going of some sort. Not necessarily a, an actual routine because I hate routine. But know that I've accomplished something before nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, and then I can tend to calm down a little bit. Um, yeah, I know I'm all over the place right now, but yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress, man. Every day is a little bit different. You know, you just got to keep yourself, know that you're not alone. And when I was going through that hard time, I had like three or four brothers reach out to me and they're just like, you're awful quiet. What's wrong? You need to talk to me. And I broke down. I broke down crying. Like I knew something was wrong. So, so I called you. I had one guy said, I don't know why, but something told me to call you today. Are you all right? And I lost it. I lost it. No, I'm not. All right. Thank you for asking. You know, crazy. Shit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, you know, the story you told about the, uh, the hammer and the nail. Um, I, I tell that one on a regular, you know, I, I always bring that up. It, it, to me, that's a very important one that people need to know that the scars are still left behind and you, you gotta, you gotta make amends. You gotta fix it. So, um, and then the other thing that you were bringing up that, that phone call, uh, there was another guy on here. He's the veterans referring veterans guy. Um, if you get a chance to check out that podcast, he had a story in which his wife had told him, like, why don't you reach out to so-and-so? You haven't talked to him in a little while. He said, yeah, 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 I will. He said, uh, she said to do that on Friday. And on Sunday, he joined the 22. Yeah. So it's important. If you guys are out there and something's giving you the, the tingly, the spidey sense to give a brother or a sister a call, reach out to them. You'd, you'd be surprised. at how, I mean, even if you're not getting the spidey sense, if it just somebody crosses your mind, You'd be surprised at how much it means to some people. I, I've reached out to some brothers and sisters where it's just like, hey, how you been? You good? How's things? You all right? And it could have been just that. And then wind up getting a text message like two or three days later. You know what? You really made my day. And I appreciate yeah. it. You know, yeah, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, closing it up here. I got a question for you, man. Yeah, fire away. If, if you had to say something. To, to young John, you know, getting out of the military or these young vets that are coming out now that are leaving OIF, OAF, um, or the ones who are still active, the ones who are going to be going in, the, you know, these young kids who weren't even alive when 9-11 happened, they're coming home from these deployments that they weren't even alive when the war started. If you had some advice for them, what would be your advice? You have one shot to let these guys know something. What would it be? Well, I just went out to um, Vegas to visit my daughter. She was out there at TDY, and I got to meet a bunch of the crew chiefs that she's with and a bunch of her friends and stuff. And I told them, because I was stationed out in Las Vegas, so I was reminiscing while I was there, right? And I was just on cloud nine. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I saw these kids, and I saw myself, and I remembered some of my best times. And, and I told every one of them, I said, remember these days. 
remember the time that you have with these individuals right here, right now, because they will be the best of your life. And when it's time to get out, if you start having problems, reach out to them. Tell them, hey, man, you remember when we were over here in Vegas or we were over at Bagram or, you know, we took that trip over to Oklahoma City and the airplane broke and we spent three days fixing a freaking hydraulic leak or, you know, just just reach out and say something to them. You're going to have problems. Um, and I'm not going to say that 100 percent of us are going to have problems because many people are very good at dealing with this stuff. Some of us aren't. So understand that. Shell shock, PTS, trauma. Even the females, unfortunately, we still have a problem with sexual harassment, sexual assault in the military. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, women are a backbone to our society, plain and simple. We can't recreate, we can't procreate without, without them, period. And when they get treated like that or they get hurt, that affects everyone. It affects everyone around us. It affects them in a way that they think that they are at fault somehow. And to any female out there, it is never your fault that you were accosted, assaulted, raped. Never, ever your fault. Two well, times not- more likely to commit suicide. Female veterans, two right. times more likely to commit suicide than females that never served. Right. Isn't that crazy? You're not alone. I guarantee you're not alone. And it might be hard to reach out. But you need to do it. Um, find that individual, you know, make that bond with somebody. You're going to have a bond with somebody. I don't care if you're a supply troop, a cook, a fuel driver. I don't care what you do. Work in freaking finance. You're going to have a battle buddy. You're going to have somebody that you are with more than you have ever been with anybody in your life. Probably more than your spouse. And that's who you need to be friends with. That's who you need to talk to. And, and find these resources. We are everywhere now. We are not just a military hospital. We're not just a VA clinic. We are everywhere. You don't have to go to the VA if you don't want to. I recommend you do because that's how we get things like the Agent Orange diagnoses. That's how we get uh, presumptive illnesses from Agent Orange. That's how we get presumptive illnesses from the smoke pits. The um, Gulf War syndrome from all the aspartame and the stuff that was left on the docks for days and then fed to us. You know, that's how we get those things because people go and they register and they get treated and seen. That's how those things get added to our register. So don't think that you're alone. That's number one. Don't think that you're alone. Number two, enjoy every moment of every day that you're in that service because you are going to make some of the greatest friendships you'll ever have in your life. And number three, do you. I mean, absolutely 100% do you. If you're not happy in your job, find a way to get another job. I know it's tougher these days. I know uh, Amber and Amanda both had a hard time uh, being air traffic controllers. They weren't allowed to re-enlist. They couldn't get another job, things like that. Those things happen nowadays, but it doesn't define you. It, does, it doesn't end your life. It doesn't end your career. It doesn't end you know who you are. It doesn't change anything. You know, reach out, find something, get a passion. I don't care if you're making blades like Josh Witt or, you know, you're, you're motivationally speaking like, like Sean Laurie, or you sit in your basement like I do here and you do a podcast. One day. I don't care what it is. Get a passion. That's, that's about all I can say to that one, I guess. I mean, I could talk for hours with you, man. 
That's all I got to say on Vietnam. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, John, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on board. I, I greatly appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, I look forward to joining you on Straight Talk. So that's Straight Talk. It's S-T-R, the number eight, right? T-A-R-K. Talk. Yep. And I, I don't know, you might have to look up Johnny Mo Media Straight Talk. I don't know how it's coming up lately. There's a lot of straight talks out there, but mine's this demon looking character with a long beard and a tutu in his eye. So um, yeah. check him out. And you can go to johnnymomedia.com and you can get every episode that way as well. Um, Excellent. Good stuff. But brother, appreciate you having a board, man. And uh, I'll be talking with you. Yeah, you will. We'll, we'll definitely keep in touch, Ryan. Thank you very much. This was a uh, I needed this and I appreciate it. Thank you. For sure, brother. For sure. Yeah, have a good one. You too. All right, that's stopped. Stop it.